0: Show is Keeping Up with the Joneses. Welcome to episode 216 of Keeping Up With The Joneses. This episode is brought to you by the generous support of our patrons.
1: This week we want to especially thank Sarita for her generous support of the show. AJ Jones? Yes, sir? Last week when you were on the podcast, your voice was going, tell us what happened between then and now. Um, I completely
0: lost it and now it's on its way back.
1: When you say you completely lost it, you mean in life generally or just your voice?
0: I didn't realize I was getting fairly sick on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so I ran a fever for three days and I hacked and coughed so much that I actually lost my voice. You did? Mm-hmm.
1: And the trouble is you're supposed to be teaching a Wednesday night class.
0: I was, like this? I was also supposed to be teaching on Monday and Tuesday at the school. There is that. Yes. And Wednesday night class. So um, we had to roll video for Wednesday, mm-hmm. didn't we? And I spent three days in bed.
1: Before? I would say this was one of those weeks that you would call challenging. Yes. Because we had, Abby Abby was sick.
0: The week before.
1: And then you got sick. Yes. And then just as we thought that you were in the clear, MJ got sick. Yes. So we've had a lot of sickness. Yes. We've had our friends and their three children staying. Yes. So that's a house of... Six. There was
0: 11 of us here. 11 of us in the house. Mm-hmm.
1: And then uh, it was just super busy and lots of unexpected things.
0: Yeah, I would have preferred to have been well with our friends being here rather yeah. than feel like dirt. That was a bummer. Yeah, wasn't great.
1: I'm trying to think of what else happened this week.
0: You spoke this morning.
1: I did, yeah. I've been in a three-week series on Blessing. Mm
0: -hmm. It was amazing. It was really good. I Uh, watched from home. I couldn't cheer from home, and you hear it. I had lots of compliments
1: of people saying thank you, and I thought, only at Grey Center could you refer to your audience as swine and still have people say, really enjoyed that. I did laugh
0: when you were like, anyway. Yes, it was very funny.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Grey Center people, for being so patient with me while I...
0: Babe, it was great.
1: Yeah, I know, but I you know, in in hindsight, I basically I paused halfway through my message. Anyway, you could go watch it for yourself. We'll put a link in the show notes so you can see what happened. Okay. Yeah, it was a lot. Anything you want to follow on from last week's topic? We got great feedback, by the way. Thank you. Thank you to everybody who reached out and said how much they enjoyed the episode last week. We're talking all about feelings. Yes. Talking about our forays into group therapy. Yes. Anything you would like to update our listeners on?
0: Well, I signed up for a group. So I'm supposed to start this Thursday, Yeah. but then I just realized that Tia's third grade class show is Thursday at six. So you can't go. So to which? To To group. Yes. Yeah. So I just emailed and said, I can't imagine that leaving early on my first day would be a wise decision. So I'm going to have to start the following week.
1: We're excited. We'll be Uh here waiting for the...
0: Yes.
1: How do you feel about going to group therapy?
0: Nervous. I think I'm, I don't know. I don't know what I feel. I'm excited slash nervous slash, uh, I don't know. Oh, I so, guess we'll see. I'm
1: so proud of you. I'm super excited. I can't wait to hear all about it.
0: Okay. So our topic this week is, this week we've actually asked our friend and pastor and leader, Jeff Dollar, to come back on the show uh, and talk about his new book that he just wrote.
1: But when he came over, you were sick in bed with a fever, so you can interview him. Yes. So we're doing that thing where we go back in time to earlier this week where I sat down with Jeff, and we're going to make that happen. Jeff Dollar. Yes. How the heck are you? Good. <laughs> I, I looked at my notes. really good. <laughs> you haven't been on I know. since episode 20, which was 2014. That was five years ago. So the question is, what have you been doing for the last five years?
2: Well, I've been working on my poor self esteem. <laughs> I thought, wow, you know, Alan had me the last time, it was 2014. And I remember he said, Man, we got such great feedback. We need to have you back on. <laughs> and then it never did. And I thought, well,
1: I need to go to counseling. And true to my word,
2: five years, later, five years later
1: here we are. Here we are. On episode what is this, two hundred and sixteen? It's okay. I feel fine. It's fine. <laughs> you wrote this book. I did. How does somebody with poor self-esteem write a book?
2: Well, you get pushed into it. Someone (laughs) held a gun to my head.
1: (laughs) Tell me about it. It's letting go of the need to be right. Talk to me about the book. Where did it come from? What's the idea?
2: Uh, The idea is basically uh, my life story and all of the lessons that I've (laughs) learned from arguing with people who were trying to give me feedback on the way that they experienced me, and I basically couldn't hear it.
1: How scary is it writing a book about that going forward? Because if anyone tries to give you feedback and you don't listen, you go, hey, you wrote the book. No, no, no. It says you have to listen to me. <laughs> oh, that's.
2: Yeah. Now I've given everyone ammunition. Absolutely. Oh, oh it's, it's very scary. It is. <laughs> yeah, I've made myself a target. So, to
1: speak. So. What, so, where did the idea of the book come from? Like, you said you were pushed into it. Like, I know yeah, you. Yeah. You were the last person right. who's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to just attract some more public attention. I'm going to write, a book. <laughs> I'm going to put a name on a book and I'm going to suggest people should read it. Right. Like, that's as far from you as possible. So, how did you end up writing
2: well, the it? way Well, the way that it started was there's a lady in our church who, once she heard that Grace Center had adopted this village in Mozambique, she said, oh, hey, you should write a book. And I was like, I don't want to write a book. boy And, uh, she was had had worked with other publishers and had helped other people write books. Yeah. She said, "No, I would help. I like to help you." So I kept pushing her back, you know, you know, pushing her away, going, eh, "I don't think so." Finally, I said, "Okay, we'll do it," and all of the proceeds go to the village that we adopted. She right. said, "Great," and I was like, "Oh, shoot! I thought that would have turned you away." So she came in and began interviewing me, and then she said, "Whoa!" She said, "Jeff, you know that is a book in itself, but actually." The book that, that needs to be written is this one on your life.
1: So she started thinking we're going to write a book about the village in Mozambique. Mm-hmm. And then the more and more you talk, she was mm-hmm. like, "Man, your story's so messed up. We need to put this in drink. <laughs> She totally did. <laughs> she totally did. You came up with this great title, "Letting Go of the Need to Be Right." Mm. My question is, why do you think we, not me, mm-hmm. and certainly mm-hmm. not you, not me, yeah. yeah, but other, other people. people, why do you think? The need to be right
2: is so important to us. Oh, and that's the question everyone asks. I think now, so I could say this in our language because right. you would understand what I'm talking about. I think it is connected to the orphan mindset. I think it's it's attached to this. No one hears me. No one sees me. No one understands me. I, I've got to hold on to this rightness it's the last thing that i have and i've seen people you know you and i've talked about this we've seen families split over one person just re- refuses to release this need to be right their the right. rightness they and so they will go down with the, with the sinking ship family split apart and, and you're like oh if you would just listen to the feedback that someone's trying to give you so <clears throat> um so you know i think it's as I've thought about this because people have been asking me you know that question that right. you just asked, I think it is the more I thought about it, it is the one universal issue it transcends race religion age that's why your two year old will argue with you Hello. over this thing where they think they are right as well as your ninety two year old person who will argue over this thing um Yeah. So you see Christians, non Christians, politicians. I mean, it just, the top CEOs, the poorest of the poor. You know, it is, it's this one issue that transcends the human race. It's. What do you think
1: the payoff is? So, you know, like, like, yeah, I totally get what you're saying. We do it because it's, it feels, it feels like a piece of us. Like, I think at times when I've been so stubborn that I want to be right. I remember early on in our marriage, early on our marriage, because we don't do this anymore. That's right. Early on in our marriage, I would, Day three <laughs> we, we would fight about something factual mm-hmm. Like, no, no, it was a Wednesday mm-hmm. it, it wasn't a Friday No, no, you're wrong And then the more and more you would explain it to me The, the faster and faster I'd be like, oh crap, she's mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. I'm not letting her get away with it mm-hmm. Right, so that, that's a silly, mm-hmm. futile example But still you're holding on to it Because I don't want you to win over me Yeah What is the payoff? Because there's no payoff for me in that one I've now got a hostile wife
2: I don't think it's a payoff I think it's the fear of the loss I don't think it's a payoff. I don't think you you do it to get something. You do it because you're afraid of losing something. <clears throat> and I think that's the. And what's the loss? Like, what well, are you the, losing? The loss is. So, like with me and Becky, when we used to have these arguments, because uh-huh. we don't do this long, long, long days, time, ago. three or four. Oh yeah, we're, before your twenty-eight experts. years, twenty-eight years, we have learned this. Let me just tell you. <laughs> um, I, I, I again, it's that. Let me ask you this: Why is it so hard for people to say I'm sorry? Like, it's hard, like so, like with me and Becky. Hey,
1: I'm asking the question. <laughs> <laughs> you're, the, you're the guest. Don't be flipping This I
2: haven't written a oh, book. Okay, gotcha, okay? gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. No, but I, I was asking, thinking about that myself. Like, why am I having such a hard time of saying I'm sorry? I think it's probably connected to our fallen nature. You know, it's something that's connected to the fall, mm. and. um you know the thing about being married to Becky which I think I talk about in the book is you know that's like being married to the Holy Spirit and she just refuses to argue she she you know when she sees she's at fault she's the first one to say I'm sorry and that's why I coined the phrase first one to say I'm sorry wins uh, because you know I wanted to keep fighting and she right. said, she just took away all your ammunition she took, she took everything away so i'm so sorry and then i've realized she's the one walking away with peace and i'm the one walking away with agitation oh sure you're sorry you always <laughs> say you're sorry <laughs> yeah so oh. so i think so the payoff I, I think this it's it's this whole thing of not wanting to lose mm, it's horrible it is and it that transcends genders. That's not a male thing or a right. female thing. It's this: we have this inherent fear of losing, and, it, and that's the whole thing. The Lord is saying, "Lose, go ahead and lose. Be the first one to lose. Lose your life so that you'll find it. You know, lose, fall on the rock, fall, lose. Go ahead and, and be the first one to sacrifice. Or it, it, this is the way of the kingdom. You'll find." Yeah, that's what that's people ask. What it's what's a takeaway from this? It's like it is a key that opens up.
1: That sounds better than what I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say, "What's the takeaway? Die
2: quietly and die quickly, (laughs) and then you'll find your life. And you'll find your life." Yeah, yeah. No, but it's it It is is, uh, (sighs) it it attracts. It's an it's a magnet that attracts his presence, his favor, his Mm -hmm. like. It's bizarre. I talk about in the book where. I'm I'm actually stuck in my life, and it's where God asked this one question, and to this day I can't explain it. I I can't. He asked me, "What would it look like if you were wrong?"
1: Set that up. Set,
2: set up the story because it's so, such a great story. So we are we we have two small children, barely making ends meet. We are living in a space that's about 600 square feet, one bath. <clears throat> and uh, two small children. So we're thinking we're going to be there for a couple of months. We're actually there for three years. Mm-hmm. And uh, everything that I try to do, I'm just not. I'm not moving ahead. All my friends are getting blessed. They're getting jobs. They're getting promotions. They're getting, and I'm still stuck in this one spot. Mm-hmm. Horrible. And I'm doing everything that they're doing. I'm tithing. I'm giving. I'm. So I, I just I cannot figure out why. This, the gospel or the Bible is not working for me. I'm like, what's the deal? So I come up with this ungodly belief. Oh, he he likes everybody else but me. He wants to bless everybody else but me, obviously, because look at my life and look at their life. So I learned to be content. And <laughs> just being I'm just one of those unchosen, I'm, right. I'm the happy, unchosen, mm-hmm. and uh, I'll be the one that stands before him and just say, "Hey, just want to let you know I tried your manual, it doesn't work." Wow, good one uh, yeah, oh yeah, I had him mm-hmm. so and I had in, a in a headlock, totally <clears throat> so he so this whole my life was starting to crescendo of just frustration, just absolute frustration. And we're attending another church at the time, and they did this outreach into the city and uh, uh, invited all of these people who are unchurched to come to church. So, walking into church, and there's all these people outside with tattoos and piercings and smoking. And I'm thinking, what is going on? And I'm watching my very impressionable children at the time, Bethany, you know, it's like five. It's like, hey, what's that sticking out of your mouth? I want to try that cigarette. You know, you're like, uh, so now, I'm, that put, that was the thing that pushed me over the top. I thought, what are they doing? Don't they know that they're bringing harm into our safe environment? Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was fuming. So worship starts. Everyone stands up, and I'm sitting down. I thought, well, I'll hold Joel because he's, he's young. And that'll show God. That'll show God. Well, the whole time we're talking, he and I are talking. I'm like, I cannot believe that these leaders have done this, and I'm going to talk to them blah Allah. Blah. And the Lord said, hey, uh, what do you think my ministry looked like? I'm thinking, he said, you know, prostitutes and tax collectors. And somehow I said, yeah, that's different. You know, that's back then. This is now. We should know better. Whatever it was, I don't know. It, that didn't get through. Right? Then he said, hey, how would you know if you were wrong? And so this is the part that I have the hardest time articulating because that one question Disarmed. It was a disarming question. If he would have said, "Hey, I think you're wrong," I, I would have dug in. I would have. I, it sounds crazy talking to God, right? But I probably would have dug in. What do you mean? I don't think I'm wrong. Like I don't. I don't let's talk about this. <clears throat> but him flipping it and saying, "Hey, how would you know if you were wrong?" And honestly, it it stunned me because I had no answer. So when I say it's disarming, somehow this. Thought structure that I had that I didn't know that I had. This was the key that went click and Whoa. unlocked it, and the whole thing fell apart. And I'm looking at the pieces of this thought construct, like I didn't know that I had this. Uh, I didn't know I had this system of being able to receive correction. I didn't know that I had that because when he asked me, "Hey, how would you know if you were wrong?" I had such a hard time with it. He said, describe, he was helping me, describe the scene in which you are going to realize that you are wrong. And I'm like, what do you mean? Said, well, who are the characters? What What is the scenario? You just you tell me how you would know you were wrong. And I'm like, why am I having such a hard time answering this question? So I began to think, well, you would tell me, God, you, you would tell me if I was wrong or The Holy Spirit would tell me, or the Bible, I would read it in your word, or you'd send an angel. I mean, somehow you would let me know. And and I realized I wasn't getting anywhere. And immediately he said, Hey, would it look like this? And so these three things that I'm about to tell you, they all happened in one week. He said, Would it look like your boss calling you into his office and saying, Hey, Jeff, can we talk? I've noticed you got a bad attitude. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm not the one with the bad attitude. You're the one with the bad right. attitude. Nobody even wants to work for you. And so the Lord, before I could even flesh out that thought, he said, or would it look like Becky calling, uh, saying to you, hey, you're being harsh with me. And I'm thinking, I told her, I said, I'm not being harsh with you. You're criticizing me. And before I could flesh that thought out, he said, or would it look like Bethany, who at the time was about five, saying, Daddy, in her little childlike way, you're, you're being harsh. You're being, I can't remember what she mean. said. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I said, I'm not being mean, honey. I've told you 27 times, you know, on the 27th time I'm going to be mean. You're not understanding. And then he said, he packaged them all together. And he said, well, that look like you're wrong. And I, I, I was, uh, he had me pinned. There's no way. I, I was like, Oh my gosh, I thought it was all them it's me. The issue was he was trying to send a message Whoa. through, you know, we all have concentric circles of friends and, yeah. and acquaintances. This was my closest circle. This was the bullseye, my wife, my daughter, and my boss. He's, they see These three see me more than anybody else, more than people at church, more than people, you know, my friends, they see me more than anybody, <clears throat> and these this nucleus was trying to give me feedback uh, on the way that they were experiencing uh, me, and I couldn't hear it. And the reason I couldn't hear it is because I had discounted their message because of the fault that I saw in them being the messengers. Oh, yeah.
1: You're doing a great job of describing what the book's about. <laughs> That's, that's, but only humble people are going to want to read this book When I mean, did your publisher say So you're writing a book About how you can find out you've been wrong the whole time What did they, I mean like, Because that's the essence mm-hmm. Like, hey, here's a manual to help you understand mm-hmm. Why you're not as right as you think you are
2: Well, interesting The first thing they said to me was I know so many people that need this book <laughs> And I went, uh Yep okay. and, and actually, you're one of them <laughs>
1: So if you've been listening to this podcast and thinking, man, I need to get that book for my mother in law. <laughs> Maybe buy two coffees. You're right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but it's hard, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's very like hard. Whole, it's very hard. Hey, let me get that speck out your eye. Oh,
2: totally. Well, I got this huge, enormous log in my eye. They the, 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 the publishers told me, they said, Jeff, you the title is so compelling that we, we we have to put, you know, kind of a a fun type looking cover to it. Or no one's going to pick it up. No one's going up. to want to pick it up. Or no one's their, their their question is is the will someone read this on the airplane? Meaning the person beside me who knows nothing about me, are they going to look at that and go, "Hey, what's that about?" Or is the reader going to be too embarrassed that right. that someone's going to think, "Wow, what's your problem?"
1: What are some of the signs? Because we're the last people to know. Based mm-hmm. on my experience, I'm the last person to know what everybody else has, has mm-hmm. already mm-hmm. discerned about me. What are some of the signs that begin to manifest when we think we're right, but we're actually not?
2: Um, so for me, the signs were, I was getting timely, specific feedback.
1: But you were ignoring it. I was
2: ignoring it. Oh, totally. But God had to, you know, again, put me in a headlock and said, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. Whoa. I was like, oh. So... Some of the signs are he will begin to send people, and they'll begin to say the similar a similar thing, point to a similar area. You'll you'll begin to see.
1: Have you noticed that when that happens, geography makes no difference?
2: Oh, absolutely.
1: Because we we so we're pastors. That's right. And so often people come to our church who've been in maybe three or four other churches before, and the reason they've left those other churches is because they were getting consistent feedback. And they come here and they get the same feedback. And they're like, what is it with all you people? This is the only feedback I ever get. Mm.
2: Well, again, they think it's, you, you you, still don't see me. That, right. that was my core thing. You don't understand me. You are not getting me. If you were getting me, you wouldn't be treating me or you wouldn't be saying the things that you're saying. So obviously you don't understand me. So to Bethany, of course you don't understand. You're only five years old. Honey, if you were an adult, you would understand the pressures I'm under. You would understand all of this. But to God, it was like, to Becky, you know, Hey, you're not understanding me. If you understood, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make a living here. I'm trying to do this. And she's like "Eh, that. Irregardless, you're being, you know, so mean to me. And that was the, you know, the message that God was trying to send my way was, hey, your behavior. Hey, you're the common denominator in everybody's feedback. <laughs> that's right. No, that's the truth. Oh. Yeah, you are the math problem.
1: This might be obvious, but maybe it's not. Mm. What are some of the damaging side effects of refusing to hear the messengers in your life?
2: Uh, For me... For the damage that it did to me was it actually put my life on pause. So I was like, "Oh, uh, why why can I move forward here? Why am I not why am I not progressing here?" There's this. I think I talk about it in the book. There is a an incredible uh, message around King Nebuchadnezzar mm-hmm. in Daniel, the book of Daniel, and it's when King Nebuchadnezzar gets sentenced. So yeah. it, it's a it's it's a wonderful chapter because it talks about this all this heavenly language these these watchers who are watching they came down and they made this announcement to him and and basically sentenced him to seven years of you know eating like an animal looking like an animal which <clears throat> you know when you first read it you're like wow that what that is a harsh sentence but in the in their uh, message that they give him. They basically say two, two or three things. Basically, the earth is the Lord's and all that it contains. He puts men into place. It's his kingdom. He appoints rulers, and he appoints it over the lowliest of men. Mm-hmm. So basically, I think this council was meeting, looking at Nebuchadnezzar's life and looking at how arrogant he was and said, hey, According to the rules of his kingdom, humility and authority go together. We've put your life in the balance, and you're lacking in humility. If you were to continue ruling, which we want you to do, you've got to have a measure of humility in order to counterbalance that authority. Or they could have just nuked him, Mm. you know? But it's like, no, we're going to, this is actually an act of mercy. Where we are going to let you continue to rule, but you've got to have a measure of humility because we've looking at your life and there's none. So after that, when he's when when he, <clears throat> so the seven years go, uh, are completed, and all of a sudden he comes into his right mind and he says, "The Lord God of Heaven, He is the one who is the ruler. He is the maker. We are." And you see his entire attitude shift, and come into alignment with. All of all really all of the Lord's subjects. Another one is that, that was also the, one of the thoughts around this was uh Moses. So if you look in the Old Testament, Moses is the only one who sees God face to face. God says, Hey, I, I treat him like a friend. Why why would you not have any sort of you know fear about talking bad about my friend? And so I was paying attention to that and looking at that because I was like, that's what I want. I would love for God to talk to me face to face. So first I used to think, well, that was the specific call that was on Moses' life, and that's why he did that. And he's got a million people under him, and so it has got to have some sort of – and then you read this verse in the New Testament where it talks about that God's no respecter of persons. So that Mm kind of nullifies that thought. So – You're left back to ground zero asking the question, why is God choosing to speak to Moses face to face? This is bizarre. And then you read, I think it's in Numbers 12, where Moses says, and now Moses was the most humble man on the face of the earth. And you're like, oh, could there be a connection between the humility of man and the face of God? I think there is which you know so which makes me wonder what did Moses look like because you know he, he stuttered he was so he was probably had this he was there's was a teachability factor about Moses
1: the danger for me is every time i hear a principle like that i start defining humility on my terms well this is what I yeah, I'm humble. Mm. Like I'm humble because I do this mm. and, I, and mm. I'm like, "Oh, you don't actually get to decide what humble is." <laughs> but a great definition of humility is that you can hear input from the lowliest of sources. Mm. So I I can think of seasons of my life. I'm horrified to think I might be in a season right now because mm. this is this is the gift of uh, hindsight. You can always see right, what you're doing right. wrong presently. Presently. Yeah. Yeah. I I can remember thinking i was humble i remember my friends came to me and they're like "Alan, like you were like this and this and this and i had this great christian response you know what i will pray about that <laughs> and so my prayer sound like lord what is with them they're fruitcakes right, right. we both agree they're right. complete new exactly. jobs but you know yep. so i went back and was like hey prayed about it I couldn't hear anything mm-hmm. and then i went and worked for a psychopath mm-hmm. and this psychopath mm-hmm. just ground me into it mm-hmm. and i realized everything they said about me was true of him Mm. and I saw myself in him, mm. and I had to go back. Prior to that, my mm. measuring scale was, no, I'm good. Mm. Mm. But I guess I'm hearing you say we don't get to decide our own level of humility. No,
2: it's a – so, you know, one of the things – so this book is probably – it takes humility and, and turns it so you can see the different facets of what humility looks like. Humility, I would think – someone talks about being humble. I immediately think of a person who's a doormat. And everyone walks over them. You know, they're the ones that's serving. They're the ones serving, you know, different places. They're the bus boys. They're the, you know, whatever. There's the, no ambition, no nothing. They're just happy to be alive and, you know, just to be in your space. Thank you for smiling at me. Right. And, um, and so the, one of the things I talk about in the book is Naaman. So uh, in Second Kings 5, he is the vice president of Syria, a great warrior, and he has leprosy. And so if you read his life, there's a, there's a particular place where he goes to the man of God and he says, go dip in the Jordan seven times. We all know the story and he's livid, livid. Absolutely. You know, and if you look at it, you know, the man of God did not give him any respect. He goes through this whole thing. I talk about it in the book. Basically the takeaway is, is that Naaman was able to hear from people who were beneath him. Which is so being teachable. I I I say this when I share this story. You know, if I were to ask you, are you teachable? Everyone would say hundred percent, wow. absolutely, totally yeah, teachable, totally. And then I realize, and I would say the same thing <clears throat> until I realize being teachable is not the ability to receive information; it's who you can receive it from. So that's that's what I'm saying. This book, I'm like. Uh, I didn't know I had a social caste system. I had all the important people, all the educated people. Bill oh. Johnson. Oh, you, absolutely. absolutely. You can speak to me. Are yeah, you yeah, kidding yeah. me? I would just drop everything. <laughs> Whatever he said. Jeff, you know what? Your pants are on backwards. You know what? I'm going to go look. Just, I agree. Everything's on backwards. You're right. My wife? My wife? <laughs> How dare you talk It's That's horrible, oh, isn't it? It's horrible. Oh. horrible. 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 Or even people whose life is not even put together that well, right? And like, how how are you able to?
1: I can dismiss the voice of God in your life because I have discerned it. You don't have
2: it. Totally. Like, stop stop poking me with that log in your eye, and you're trying to get the speck out of you know. But yet the Lord's going, hey, just pay attention to what I'm telling you. So yeah, I think that was the biggest thing. I'm now remembering why I haven't had you on in five years. No, but we <laughs> we grade the level Ooh. of messengers that 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 Ooh. actually slip slip through our filters Ooh. that we're able to hear from. Oh, oh, hey, this is look. I wrote a book about it. At least you you get to have yours. Your throw ups over in quiet. <laughs> I publicly just threw up. <laughs> I think you know one of the things that has been difficult for me to answer because people ask the question, "Why did you write the book?" Right, and uh, you know, the book is a book about the heart. It's not really a how-to type book. It's a how-not-to type book. Which is an underrepresented
1: market in books. You know, you've yeah. got a how-to-be-successful, right. but not how-not-to-do right. things. No. Yeah. And,
2: and so they were asking me, hey, could you write it in a format of these are the five takeaways, here's the five, you know, keys to... I was like no I, I actually i can't it's not it's not really a how to book it's more of a how not to book, and it's done on you know the the best basis I know, which is just tell a story of my life. People ask me why did you write the book, and i didn't write the book to point a finger at someone who treated me unjustly i I didn't write it for that I read it I wrote it because it was a key that actually unlocked the forward progress of my life. This was it. Nothing is like the Lord was saying, I can't move you forward into my, further into my kingdom and into my blessing. If you're going to hold on to this need to be right, you have to let go of this. Otherwise the kingdom's not going to work for you. This, this is, it's a, it's like a, shark repellent. You know, you you've got this God repellent on you. God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. That sort of thing, even though I'm his son. He's like your 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 manner, your behavior is actually you don't realize it's repelling the natural Whoa. God benefits wow. that wouldn't would want to, you know, I would want to envelop your life, clothe you in this, but I can't I can't really clothe you in it. It wasn't until, you know, the prodigal son realized, gosh, I made a mistake. And when he went back, that's when he got the right clothes. That's when he got the promotion. That's when he got the ring. Right. That's when he got the shoes. That's when he got, you know, but it wasn't until he went, oh, snap, I was wrong. Dad, I was so wrong. Dang.
1: All right. Well, this is Letting Go of the Need to Be Right. It's uh, available everywhere, isn't it? Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, get it on Kindle, Mm -hmm. probably in your local bookshop, Mm -hmm. Uh, really encourage you to get it. One of the easiest ways of getting it is if you follow us on social media, at Alan and AJ, are you on social media? No. Cursion what is on social TV. media okay. I don't know what that is just follow us I have an edge sketch. Does that <laughs> work <laughs> just follow us at Alan and AJ and retweet the link to this episode we've got three copies so we'll be looking for people who have shared it on Instagram on Facebook and on Twitter and we'll pick somebody who shares it and we'll send you a free copy of it but you can pick it everywhere else Jeff Dollar thanks for joining us awesome
2: thanks uh, for having me
1: I noticed you have some amazing uh, people who've endorsed the book you've got Brian Simmons you've yep. got Artie Kendall who was your favorite person who endorsed the book?
2: I would say it's probably Alan A.J. Jones, <laughs>
1: <laughs> And that's why we love him.
2: Yeah, I'd say that was it right there. Thanks for being on the show. Absolutely. Thank you. It. Awesome. Thank you.
0: And we're back. I'm bummed that I missed the interview. It looks like you had a good time.
1: Always have a good time with Jeff. I know. The hard part was... He's which, kind
0: of a party <laughs> waiting to happen, actually.
1: The hard part was we both laughed so much that I couldn't work out which microphone to focus on when we were laughing. Oh, so no. Yeah, that was...
0: That, that sounds, was, sounds about right. That was
1: humorous. Uh, would you like a listener's question? Sure. Uh, this is a great question. Okay. About soaking. I'll just, okay. okay. Hold on. Listener's uh, question. This is from Megan. Megan says, how often do you fall asleep during soaking? Maybe your answer is never. It's not never. But I have found that every time I grab my pillow and lay down to soak, I fall asleep. <laughs> And then I wake up feeling like I just wasted 45 minutes. I do believe that soaking is valuable. I trust people like you and John and Carol and Mike Bickle who say there is power in soaking. I just don't think I'm tapping into it. Help. Suggestions. Over to our resident soaking expert, AJ Jones.
0: So I have fallen asleep while soaking many times. Me too. I still think it counts, but it's not the goal. So I get what you're saying. Um, so... Typically, I do things like I don't soak if I'm already tired. So if I know, like, oh, my gosh, if, if I were to shut my eyes right now, I'm going to fall asleep, I don't soak then because right. I'm just not setting myself up to succeed. Uh, if I know I'm going to hang out with the Lord this afternoon and I'm going to do some soaking, I'm actually going to plan my lunch for that, i.e. I'm not going to eat pasta or things that are heavy that make me tired, that kind of stuff.
1: By pasta, do you mean pasta?
0: Oh, pasta. Yeah. Yes, we're in America now. We must say pasta.
1: Why are you speaking with an English accent? Oh, I in don't know.
0: <laughs> I don't understand why they say pasta. You
1: basically avoid heavy carbs.
0: Avoid heavy carbs. Yes. I think if
1: you fall asleep, if you go to lie down to sleep and call it soaking, you're not soaking. But if you go to soak and you fall asleep, you probably needed the rest. And actually, there's plenty of examples in scripture of of god meeting people in their dreams so you chalk up to that but i also think like i used to never soak on my bed because my bed is my cue i'm falling asleep so i'd soak on the floor pillow on the floor lie down uh pay attention to the music you're using pay attention to you know the time of day that you're doing it but honestly i wouldn't beat you up it might just be an indicator of how crazy your life is and you might want to look at other avenues of getting some rest before adding that but
0: he wouldn't beat you up.
1: No, no, no. I'm just saying, don't you beat yourself up.
0: Don't you beat yourself up. No. Yeah, I would say I also, uh, when I used to have my godroom, I literally would make sure that I wasn't comfortable enough to fall asleep, like what you were saying about don't soak in your bed, so I just lied on a hardwood floor with a pillow kind of thing. I don't know if you need to go that far. Um, I will often soak on our couch, but I soak sort of upright, which isn't typically how I fall asleep, so um not upright but you know what i mean resting upright on a couch uh so yeah
1: i had a mental image of aj tipping her sofa upright (laughs) and then soaking
0: apparently i need to go soak right now
1: yeah i don't know megan it's a great question i honestly wouldn't worry about it i'd also try this is going to be stretching soaking with some other people invite people over for a soaking time that way you tend to be a little bit more uh not that the goal is to be self-conscious but it then becomes a communal activity and you're less likely to fall asleep so, based on the number of times we've done soaking with our students and the number of people who snore. People well, fall asleep every time. Might not be a remedy. Yeah. but
0: There's nothing wrong with you. No. You maybe just need to get more sleep.
1: A resident expert speaks.
0: Thank you for tuning in this week. Grab the show notes from com slash 216.
1: And check social media this week because we will be posting out links to this episode. And if you share it, uh, you could be one of the people that we select to send Jeff's book to you free of charge.
0: <gasps> oh, come on. If you'd like to watch the video of this episode, you can do so by becoming a patron of the show.
1: And to do that, just go to alanandaj.com slash support for all the details.
0: Have a great week. See you next week. Bye. Faith, life, life. communication, tacos and video games. Paleo donuts in the kindness of God but things we deal with every day. From Franklin, Tennessee They are just like you and me If you are a human being There's something here for everyone